Welcome to On Call with Dr. Anselm Anyoha. In this podcast, learn about the social, emotional, and physical health of children and their journey from birth through preschool and beyond. Find compassionate answers to issues parents and children face and that pediatricians encounter every day. Discussions in this podcast are not meant to diagnose or treat any conditions. Parents and caregivers, talk with your children's pediatricians or doctors about topics and perspectives presented here. You are on call with Dr. Anselm Anyoha. So in the first episode of this podcast, we talked about the baby's life during labor and delivery. And today's podcast, we're going to look at the baby's life during the two or three days hospital stay in the nursery. So after the delivery and a newborn comes into the world, many important things happen in the first hours of a baby's life. Can you tell us some of the things that a baby will be examined for and what a doctor is looking for? When a baby goes to nursery, mother, baby unit, uh, a lot of events happen during this 48, 72-hour period, which are critical. I think parents, especially new parents, need to know what's going on during this period because, number one, it's going to make them uh, a stronger advocate for their babies. Number two, uh, they have to know what their babies have been through. Number three, they will be able to share this information with the baby's doctor when they go on routine visits in a week or two. So this is an important period to know about, and that's why we're talking about it today. One of the things every parent wants to know is if their baby is healthy, and we hope this is true for every delivery. What are some of the common health issues you see and then what do you have to do to get that baby ready to go home? Well, thank you so much for the question. One of the most important things we do during those two, three days period is to check the babies for jaundice. Jaundice is a condition where the baby's skin is yellow. I don't want the baby to have a lot of jaundice because the bilirubin that causes the yellow skin can go into the brain and cause brain damage. If the jaundice is very high, then the babies have to go under phototherapy to bring the level down before they go home. This is very common in newborn. It's very, very common. In fact, last week, I, I delayed a baby from going home because I determined that the jaundice is too high and that this baby has to go under phototherapy. Instead of discharging the baby, I had to delay the baby for another day so that the jaundice can come down so that the baby can go home safely. One of the things you mentioned when we were talking earlier is that newborns experience a lot of things before they're ready to go home, like getting a vaccine. Can you tell us a little more about what a newborn will experience? Well, generally, I describe two parts. The one part I call it traumatic events, and the other parts I call the not-so-traumatic events. So the traumatic events that happen during the, those two periods are number one, when the babies receive hepatitis B and is done within hours of birth, especially the first 24 hours of birth, babies receive hepatitis B and it's painful and the babies cry. So you can see that it's painful, but it's, a, it's an essential traumatic event. Do all newborns get hepatitis 
B vaccines? Is it because there's a risk of getting hepatitis in the hospital? What is the reason that this all came about? It's to prevent them from acquiring hepatitis B from their mothers during delivery and also to protect them when they go outside into the world. Babies receive hepatitis B when they're born. They receive that again at age two months and age six months. So it's given three times and it protects them against hepatitis B infection when they go to the outside world. There are other things that go on during those uh, 48 hours period are also very important. The second one, which I think is also traumatic, is when babies get poked on the heels to collect blood to test for, for congenital conditions such as low thyroid, what we call hypothyroidism, and also for things like sickle cell, like PKU, galactosemia. So babies are poked on a hill and blood is collected and sent to the laboratory to test for conditions that can affect the babies in the future. I think that's cool too, but it's a traumatic event. And most babies that are born, if you look on their heels, you can see a bandage. Some parents keep that for trophy. They keep that for days until they come to the pediatricians and the pediatrician will take it off and, and you can see that small puncture hole where the baby got poked to get blood for newborn screening test. That's what we call it, newborn screening test. Another traumatic thing that go on those two days is when male babies have circumcision. Not all parents allow that, but some parents do to get circumcised. And that's traumatic too, even though it's done under local anesthesia, but you could see babies wincing, crying. In one of the occasions, one of the students who came to observe the procedure was too sick. She has to be removed from the, from the procedure because it's too painful for the baby. So I consider these things as, as traumatic to the babies, but they're, they're essential traumas. There are other things that go on that are not so traumatic. Like when babies get hearing tests done, every baby gets hearing tests done before they go home. So after the baby is checked and everything is okay, what are some of the first things a mother will notice about their newborn in the hospital? Well, that's an interesting question. It depends on the new parent or a parent who is experienced, but most parents... They hold the baby delicately and they don't know how strong the baby is. Is my baby okay? Can I, what's going on with his head? Because most babies, when they're born, their heads are all molded into different shapes, kind of lumpy. And the parents say that and they're worried. And you have to explain to them, this is normal. This is going to get better. The head shape is going to normalize as the baby gets older in a few days, actually. So, uh, and of course, they see, they see the babies, um, sometimes they see some rashes on the baby's skin, which worries them. Some of the rashes are, you know, newborn rashes that are red bumps. So we explain to them, we come in and explain to them, there's a normal newborn rashes which some of the babies will have, and it will go away. So most times it's to reassure parents and mothers to explain to them what's going on and tell them which one is normal and which one is not so normal. Another thing that is very normal that's common is when babies breathe very fast periodically, 
and that breathing would go down and then breathe fast again. So what is that like when a baby is breathing quickly? When will that change? Well, the uh, baby's respiratory center is not fully developed. That produces those patterns of rapid breathing, a rapid temperature drop, and back to normal. That could last for days. Sometimes when babies come to routine visits at age one week or two weeks, you can still see a rapid breathing that goes rapidly and then calms down. It's called transient tachypnea. The baby breathes very fast, and then it goes down again. Breathes fast and goes down. It periodically, sometimes in you know within hours. So that could last for days, a week to two weeks. I think the most important thing is for parents to be able to tune into the baby's cues as soon as possible, because the baby is not going to talk to you that I'm hungry. They're not going to talk to you. Um, they're not going to say anything. Parents, those with experience, always checking their babies, watching if their eyes are open, watching if they're moving their legs, turning their heads, and of course, listening too for people in the room. So babies are very attuned to the environment and the parents have to pick on that and act on it. Babies can give you signal that you have to act on it. What's an example of that? Give us an example of what that would be. Example would be a baby who is hungry. And suddenly his eyes are open. He goes this way. He looks left. He looks right. And he waits for somebody to come and pick them up and feed them. And if he doesn't come, they'll start screaming. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a good example of that. They do that all the time. Listen and see if somebody's coming to pick them up. If somebody's not coming to pick them up, they will give you more signals and more signals, and then they start crying. Can you share with new mothers your thoughts on breastfeeding and what new mothers might like to know? Breast milk is always the best food for the baby because it comes with things that protect the baby against viral infections and is meant for the baby. So breast milk, breastfeeding is what I recommend. I see some moms, they come in determined to breastfeed. Sometimes it doesn't go as planned and hospitals have lactation consultants, which I tell parents to take advantage of while you're still in the hospital within those two, three days, take advantage of the hospital lactation consultant to show you more about the technique of breastfeeding. Parents should take advantage of that. If that doesn't work, uh, you probably won't get much help from a pediatrician because I don't think most pediatricians, uh, I might be wrong, but I don't think most pediatricians are lactation consultants, so they may not tell you much about breastfeeding. <laughs> so my advice is for parents to take advantage of lactation consultant in the hospital where they have the baby. Nurses also play an important role in the early hours of life of a newborn. What are some of the things that parents may not know about what nurses do in those first few hours after birth. The nurses do a lot. They are the first contact on what's going on with the baby. And of course, there are a lot of things the nurses tell the doctors because the nurses already know the answers. So they can counsel the parents. They can advise them and guide them in the right direction. So the nurses do a lot. 
if a nurse says, oh, this newborn, the temperature's a little low, they have the little hat and they're wrapping them up in a little blanket, do they just give them a, an extra little blanket? What does the nurse do? <laughs> To help the baby. Well, the nurses, well, it could be, uh, there could be a couple of reasons. It could be the room is cold, so the, the nurses might turn up the temperature of the room. Usually the baby and the mom are in the same room. It's called mother-baby unit. Gone are the days when babies are separated from parents. So the nurses are there all the time. And of course, the, the grandparents are there, the grandmother is there, <laughs> grandfather is there. But the nurses are always within reach to help with any uh, concerns or questions. The hope is that a newborn will be ready to go home in two to three days after they're born. Can you share some examples of what a pediatrician's role and tasks are? When's the baby ready to go home? So thank you very much for that question. And usually in the hospital where I work, I'm in charge of discharging babies when they're ready to go home. The nurses will give me a list of babies who are supposed to go home that day, there's a bunch of checklists. Number one, is the baby gaining weight? <laughs> Number two, is the baby feeding well? Number three, is the baby's jaundice within normal limits? Did the baby get their vaccines? Do the baby and the mother have a place safe enough for them to go? And so many other things. So when all these are checked off, the nurses will say, hey, Dr. Inyoha, come over here. This baby is supposed to go home today. So my job is to go to the mother-baby unit, introduce myself, pick up the baby, examine the baby, make sure the baby is strong enough, healthy enough to go home. Once that checks out, then I'll sign the paper and say, hey, it is okay for this baby to go home now, provided in Three days or within a week, the mother takes the baby back to a pediatrician to continue the check. Because this baby is a very young, you want to make sure there is a pediatrician who check the baby again within one week of discharge from the hospital. When a baby is ready to go home, they have to actually leave the hospital. Parents have to manage to get the newborn baby into the car seat. If it's winter, they need a coat. When we were talking before, you said the car seat could be a challenge for new parents. Tell us more about that. The parents will bring the car seat into the uh, mother-baby unit and show this is the car seat. <laughs> okay. And so the baby yes. is strapped in and safely brought to the car and off they go. Car seat challenge is, is a special thing that happens only to babies who are premature, right? So baby, when a baby is propped up in a car seat, they, it could compromise their breathing. So the casting challenge for babies who are premature, say somebody's born at 36 weeks, you have to put them in that car seat and then monitor them. And you're simulating a car ride, but you're doing that in a hospital for babies who are premature. So you monitor them for at least 30, to one hour, 30 minutes to one hour, make sure they're stable before you just say, hey, this is okay. This premature baby can now go home in the car seat with the parents. It's now time for the question and answer section of the podcast. A listener from Boston wrote in asking, Dr. Anyoa, when I bring my newborn home, how will I know my baby's okay? Well, that's a good question. Well, the most important thing is to make sure your baby's active and communicating with you. 
a baby who's active and communicating with you is probably okay. Thanks for joining us for this episode. To answer questions you may have in a future podcast, write to Dr. Anyoa at modernerapediatrics at yahoo.com. Find articles and books written by Dr. Anyoa on his website, modernerapediatrics.com. Listen to On Call with Dr. Anyoa wherever you find your podcasts.